Peace and light, everyone, and welcome to Talk Soup's Midweek Spiritual Boost. In today's episode, we'll begin our show today with the Black History Story. And you know what my motto is regarding this subject, is there is no history without the Black stories. We have to rewrite our stories, family, and keep it real and honest and true. The lives of our offspring depends on this fact. I'll also be sharing ideas on how to honor and celebrate Black History Month. And remember, today is only one day in the Black story. And every day is a good day to celebrate the Black story. Hey, you guys, I'm your host, Dr. Jackie, and welcome to Talk Soup for Your Soul, the show that's dedicated to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual growth. Today on our show, we're going to spotlight the great ancestor, Dr. Francis Cress Welsings' contributions as a psychiatrist, research, and author, and I'll also spotlight some Black inventors. I was thinking of ways to get people more involved in the show, and so I think what I'm going to, my call to action during the Black history part of the show is to call you guys to do some homework. And so I have two or three questions that I'm gonna throw out there for you guys as homework. And also in today's episode, we will continue our series in which we're talking about the body's energy system, spiritual growth and awareness, brain health, healthy living, aging, and ways to age gracefully. Of course, I'll be sharing a moral story on truth and some healthy herbal remedies for you guys. You know, a lot of people are doing research into ways to develop their consciousness these days. People are getting into things such as brainwave technology, deep trance meditation and things like that. I don't know about you, but I think it is fascinating you know actually since i'm an energy healer and i know the importance and the power that our energy has um especially those times when we are feeling as if though we're down or or we can't just take whatever is going on anymore those things drudge and dredge our energy down to where we will actually start feeling bad and believe you me i have been a person who have continuously strived to make sure that my energy is protected and sometimes i pop off i'm just going to keep it real some people are just i'm an ordained minister counselor whatever there but i still have my times where some people I feel that they just need to be put in their place or put in the right place. And sometimes I have to do it by popping off, you know, and and what I mean by popping off is like I straight say, hey, this, that, and the other. And if you're acting bitchy, you, you're a bitch. So call a bitch out. You know, why you acting like a bitch? You know, I may say, or that, you know, and, and, and I don't like when I have to go there. A lot of people get all fizzled out with the word bitch, but I don't because I know the true etymology of the word bitch. But when I say it and I'm popping off, it's like somebody is acting like an animal. And so I've had to check myself, you know, and I try to do it on a daily basis. You know, I've gotten better, you guys, you know, but 
the way that I began to heal and get better at it is by removing myself from certain environments, removing myself from certain people. And so I think our, I think it's good that people are beginning to just research things about consciousness, consciousness awareness and expansion. But we are in the age of Aquarius. And I think the age of Aquarius began like in 2012. And so consciousness is supposed to be rising. That's the age of thinkers. That's the age where people are actually looking, instead of looking for God in the sky or outside of them, people are tapping within. You know, like our ancestors have always told us, give a shout out to our ancient African ancestors. They told us, man, woman, know thyself. And the only way that we can truly know ourselves is by tapping on the inside, is by going in spiritually. And once you go in spiritually, you begin to learn so many things about yourself that you ordinarily did not know. You know, once you stop looking at yourself from an egoistic, physical perspective. So I give a shout out to those of you who are taking those steps to become consciously aware of who you are. Um, this is a great time to dig in. If you are a black person or an African person, tap into our ancestry, tap into our roots. And again, you can't really get to know thyself if you don't. You can't be spiritual if you don't tap into your ancestral. You know, and black people, we're cosmological. We're a divine cosmological being. It is just truly beautiful how the creator came about in choosing a black woman to propagate the human race. And it's only one race. You know, people get off into that, uh, this race, they, they, there is no, no, it's only one race. Now we have different nations. And so contingent upon where you are as far as a nation, um, I don't know where your thought pattern is, but to me, there's only one race with different nations. And so this is a time where consciousness is supposed to rise. So I tip my hat in respect to you. And so let's get things rolling. As we know, February is dedicated as Black History Month or in my words, Black Story Month where we are honoring the triumphs and struggles of African-Americans throughout history and the world, including the civil rights movement and their artistic, cultural, and political achievements. And so what we're gonna do right now is give a shout out to Dr. Francis Cress Welsing. Dr. Francis is just one of my mentors that Oof, I don't know. She she really did some really deep, really thorough uh, research and some wonderful things came as a result of Dr. Francis's research. And so Dr. Francis Cress Welsing was a psychiatrist who was known best for writing the ISIS papers. She was born as Frances Luella Cress in Chicago, Illinois. She comes from a family lineage of doctors. On March 18, 1935 was her born date. Dr. Welsing was the child of physician Harry Cress and teacher Ida Mae Griffin. They grew, she grew up in middle, 
of three daughters so she's the middle child she received her ba of science or a bachelor's of science from antioch college in ohio and her medical degree or her md from washington dc's howard university in 1962. after earning her md dr welsing stayed in dc pursued a career in child and general psychiatry dr welsing spent nearly 25 years working as a staff physician for DC's Department of Human Services, and also as the clinical director of two schools catering to children with emotional troubles. Dr. Welsing opened her own private practice in DC in 1967. Through her published works and her research, Dr. Welsing sought to help bring about a solution to the mental health problems of the Black community by understanding racism. She published her first major work, The Crest Theory of Color Confrontation, as an essay in 1974, while she was assistant professor at Howard University. And this was a controversial essay. Dr. Welsing argued that the drive for white supremacy and superiority stems from a pervasive feeling of inadequacy and inferiority. Dr. Welsing claimed that whiteness was, in fact, a deficiency evidenced by the inability of whites and other races to produce melanin, which generates skin color. In short, white people in America could not cohabit peacefully with their black peers, according to Dr. Welsing, because of a deep-seated jealousy of people with melanin and their embrace of racial supremacy to accommodate these feelings. The essay was controversial and according to Welsing, prevented her from not only gaining tenure at Howard University, but in fact, losing her teaching post. In 1991, Welsing published her most famous work, a collection of essays titled The Isis Papers, The Keys to the Colors, which discuss in depth the issues of white supremacy and racism in the United States. In the ISIS papers, Welsing delved deeper into her theories of melanin deficiency among whites as the driver of racism, white supremacy, and white segregation. In the process of psychoanalyzing white racism, Welsing also discussed the importance of recognizing racial behaviors and symbols among Blacks that were psychologically damaging and which needed to be countered and destroyed. She listed among those behaviors, homosexuality, which she claimed was strategy for destroying Black people. Aside from her published racial and social theories, Dr. Welsing was an advocate for a strong African-American family unit. So am I. She advised Black men and women to delay having children until their 30s and instead take the time to thoroughly educate themselves so as to rear the next generation of high-functioning and disciplined Black Americans who could challenge white supremacy. Dr. Francis Cress Welsing died in Washington, D.C. on January 2nd, 2016, after being hospitalized for stroke. She was a ripe 80 years old. So we want to give a shout out to Dr. Francis Cress Welsing and thank the ancestor for all of her powerful contributions to our Black story.
So moving right along, I'm going over to the AARP page because when I was researching information to discuss on today's Midweek Spiritual Boost show in regards to the African-Americans and their contributions, I see this really nice page that AARP has. Um, It has African-American veterans, a history of heroism from the Civil War to the present day. And it states that these soldiers perform acts of heroism and valor. So we have to give a shout out to the Tuskegee Airmen. They finally received some recognition, you know, and people have been wanting this for a lifetime. So after 74 years, February 11, 2022, the Tuskegee Airmen legend finally got the recognition that they deserved. And only one of the members at that time was living, um, James H. Harvey. And at that time, he was 98 years old. I'm telling you, man, our people living. It reminds me of my grandparents, man. My grandparents lived to be like up in the hundreds. Just beautiful. You know, I'm like, wow, this is so cool. And with all this stuff that's going on, with all the... Um, technological advancements and you know i don't think i was gonna say an ai but i don't think a lot of us are really into ai if you're conscious you know um your conscious awareness makes us accept certain things we we accept like death is a part of life but james h Henry the third he remembers standing in the front yard of his pennsylvania home when he saw a group of p-40 military planes flying in formation above him. And he thought that one day he'd like to be a pilot too. So when he was 19, during the height of World War II, he went to the Army, Air Corps, recruiting office, signed up, and he was told they were not taking enlistments. What they were really saying was they didn't want me because of my color, says Harvey, who is African-American. Months later, he was drafted. So you can't go and enlist on your own, but we're going to draft you into our army because things are getting really tough. So he says months later, months later, he was drafted into the army and assigned to a unit tasked with building airfields. Still, he says that he was dreaming of being a airman, you know, I want to fly, you know, you wanted to get behind those paint, uh, the steering wheel of the planes and fly. And so he said he got that opportunity and his instructors, um, his, his instructor gave him certain maneuvers to practice until he nailed them. And he said flying was great. It was a dream for him. And so four years later, with no war to fight, um the um let me see let me let me back it up he said the instructor gave me maneuvers to practice i practiced until i nailed it he says flying is great it's great up there in that machine all by yourself you're in complete control you can't screw up (laughs) it's no room for error right not up in the air in an airplane None. I was the best of what I did. Upon completing his combat training in April 1945, Harvey then joined the 
332, the 332 Second Fighter Group, later known as the Tuskegee Airmen. Just as the pilots were packing their bags to board a ship to Europe, they were told to stand down. The war in Italy was over and the fight in the rest of the European theater was expected to wind down. And four years later, with no war to fight, the Air Force staged its first ever competition to find their top gun pilots. So for the competition, the Air Force chief of staff instructed each fighter group to send their three best pilots to participate in a 10-day aerial contest at the Las Vegas Air Force Base, which is now known as Nellis Air Force Base. In addition to Harvey, the Tuskegee team included Captain Alva Temple, First Lieutenant Harry Stewart Jr., and First Lieutenant Halbert Alexander, in an alternate, well, an alternate member. And so we as a race of people weren't expected to do anything. Everything was negative. And it's still, we get that now. You know, look at the certain things that's going on around us, how this world, this society, um, continuously try and tell us what we can and cannot do. Prime example, you know, when we go to college, you should learn about who you are. Like when I went to college, I got my degrees. Every semester, I tried my best to study something that was associated with my history, whether it was African history or something related to my grandmother, who's Blackfoot native. But we need to know our history. You know, the only thing that um, we as a race of people uh, can do is we can't expect for other people to educate us. We have to educate ourselves and then each one teach one. And so it didn't matter what the white supremacists or the white racist people thought. Harvey and his team, they knew that regardless to what, they were determined, they had the skill, and they were going to be Ironmen. And so... I want to give a shout out to the Tuskegee Airmen. I think it's a wonderful story. Read up on it. But finally, on January 13, 2022, at Nellis Air Force Base, a plaque was mounted in commemoration and in a commemoratorial ceremony honoring the historic moment in Tuskegee Airmen history. And today proves that if you believe in something and you say and you stay and you say you're going to do it and you stay at it you'll finally get the recognition and this is from tuskegee airman harvey after the ceremony he said that this plaque finally after many years will be at the top of number one 74 years before they gave this brother his recognition for him for their job um in uh you know, as being the Tuskegee Airmen. And so there we are. We wrap up the shout out to our African-American ancestors. And I want to share a poem for you at this time by our Black ancestor, Maya Angelou. The title of the poem is Still I Rise, and it reads, You may write me down in history, with your bitter, twisted lies. 
You may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dusk, I rise. Does my sassiness upset you? Why are you beset with gloom? Cause I walk like I've got oil wells pumping in my living room. Just like moons and like suns with the certainty of tides, just like hope springing high, still I rise. Did you want to see me broken? Bowed head and lowered eyes, shoulders falling down like teardrops, weakened by my soulful cries? Does my haughtiness offend you? Don't you take it awful hard? Cause I laugh like I've got gold mines digging in my own backyard. You may shoot me with your words. You may cut me with your eyes. You may kill me with your hatefulness, but still like the sun, like the earth, I rise. Does my sexiness upset you? Does it come as a surprise that I dance like I've got diamonds at the meeting of my thighs? Out of the huts of history, shame, I rise up from a past that's rooted in pain. I rise, I'm black, like an ocean leaping and wide. Welling and swelling, I bear in the tide, leaving behind nights of terror and fear. I rise into a daybreak that's wondrously clear. I rise, bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave. I am the dream and the hope of the slave. I rise, I rise, I rise. Woo! You're talking about power right on, Sister Maya. And see, that's what we does because that's what we do. <laughs> we rise. Look, I went back and used um, words like my grandfather would say. Who does that? But this poem is so beautiful because people standing on the outside oftentimes see us and they make judgments, right? Oh, she thinks she that or he thinks she that he's that and oftentimes they'll come up with all these different scenarios about an individual and they may not even be true it's just may it just may be that this person is proud of who they are and we should when we think about our ancestors and them going through that period of enslavement being slaves to people who you look around that were lazy and didn't work and they had to do all the work from sun up to sundown. So we are that product. Um, there's a Moorish saying in reference to the knowledge that we gain. And it said, it goes something like, if you gain a lot of knowledge, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm not saying it um, right by you know verbatimly like um the moorish ancestor said but but the um the um hold on you guys So in essence, you know, all the knowledge that we learn, we're supposed to share it because you're going on and you're learning knowledge and you're getting educated and you're doing whatever you're doing, but you're not sharing it to help other people. Or some people get educated and they don't do nothing. 
you know they just have the education and so there's a more saying and i'm going to look it up so that i can quote it for you on the next show but in essence what's the use of getting knowledge and you can't do nothing about it you know you not you can't do nothing about it but you're not doing nothing with it and so when i think about rising that's what that's why i rise you know um we're living on the backs of our ancestors you know their blood sweat tears their hopes their dreams they made it through so that we could be something you know not just a, a people who are always accepting hand me outs and unfortunately i think that's the way that many people in society view us that we want a handout and we don't um most of us don't i know i don't i don't i don't want nothing from this government but reparations for real i'm just gonna keep it real because i think they owe us reparations so that we can begin to heal and help our people black people heal from the psychological damage i mean you got black people that's so nasty that's when i pop off though i pop off with the nasty ones i don't just go around being mean i treat everybody with love and respect yes i am an ordained minister and that means something totally different not from from the contemporary christian mindset i'm spiritual first i know that i'm a divine cosmological being and i have Ma'at is my guide, truth, honor, righteousness, justice, order, harmony, balance. And I try to live in that. But sometimes, every now and then, I'll find, I'll, I'll encounter a situation where I have to go and let a person know or go at a person or go back at a person because they have a nasty, they'll take something, like I talk loud. Anybody that don't know me, know, <laughs> you should know I talk loud. And sometimes some of my words, especially when I'm passionate, people take offense to it. I'm like, no, I didn't mean to take offense. I didn't mean to offend you or anything. You know, I'm just sharing passionately about what I feel and people have taken offense and i've had to pop off and then you know the the most high is good most high is always saying okay now you you can go ahead on and apologize let the person know you didn't mean to offend them but still the situation doesn't change you know if you're doing something that's ignorant or something that's disrespectful or something that just doesn't make sense that's what it is and so i think that's a part of me um as a, a, a divine individual and and someone who's continuously learning and growing working on not allowing that emotional aspect of myself to take over but we are and i don't use that oh, i'm human i'm only human no because as human you're right you're human and as a human we're and, and a mature um evolving consciously evolving human we're supposed to be able to put a cap on certain characteristics and the emotional aspect of ourselves from an egoistic perspective in my opinion that's one of the first things that i've had to continuously refine and sharpen because like i said when i go into certain environments one of the things that i cannot stand is people who try to act like they don't know but they know something that they're doing isn't right so i have I, I have to say okay this is one of these people control your emotion step aside remember my eye look at your 
uh, look at your Ma'at tattoo, the Ankh. I have a tattoo of the Ankh with the Ma'at wings. And I look at it and I remind myself how the ancestors will want me to carry myself out. I remind myself that I am God. I'm a fractal of the Most High. But I am God. And whatever I want done, it's going to get done. Because I'm doing it in divinity, from a divinity perspective righteous and spiritually and so as maya described her different attributes and people would look at her and they would think whatever they thought she's like no i'm this i'm a diamond you know i'm burned with the tide you know um I may, you may shoot me with your words and cut me with your eyes. You may kill me with your hatefulness, but still like her, I rise. And that is my wish to you, regardless to what. Do not allow anyone else's perspective or perception of you be what defines you. You have to know who you are and you have to be proud of you, who you are and where you will because no one else will. You're responsible for you. You're responsible for connecting. Your historical lineage is a very integral part in your developing to be all that you can be from a spiritual perspective and as spirituality morphs into divinity, right? And so with that said, shout out to Dr. Maya Angelou and shout out to everyone for our Black History Month. And so moving right along in this segment of the show, we're going to get into the um, talk more about spiritual growth and awareness by continuing our discussion on the human energy body referring to the energetic structure of a human being this is also sometimes called the aura and it is the overall energy that surrounds and animates our physical being and so oftentimes people um don't think as the entire physical body uh, being comprised of different systems that work together as a part of a whole. Um, some people will think uh, the circul circulatory system, for example, or the digestive system or the immune system, respiratory system, etc., are all individual, but we have to start perceiving them as unique structures or systems within the whole so yeah they are separate systems within the one physical body but each of these systems is an essential part of the whole body and so once you start to view your body the energy body and the physical body as a whole view it from a perspective of the energetic anatomy or that you have an energetic anatomy then you can begin to create a guide to your body to your human energy and i always suggest that people if you don't do a guide do some kind of journal get yourself a notebook that's dedicated to your energetic body's anatomy and um with that you know we have bills and we have our etheric body 
the human energy field is an aura of etheric energy that surrounds and overlays our physical selves and interacts with our mind, body, and our spirit. There are many human energy fields, and these include the physically measurable electromagnetic and magnetic fields that are generated within by all living cells within our bodies. And so it's the cells, the tissues, the organs, and the body as a whole. But there are also bio fields, subtle or putative fields emanating from these pulsing units of life, as well as our subtle energy bodies, channels, and aspects of self. So here is a brief description of the most important human bio field. And I'm just going to give you a brief description and I'll pick up on the second half of it in next week's show. So first we have the morphogenetic field. Morpho, M-O-R-P-H-O, genetic fields. In biology, a morphogenetic field is a group of cells that leads to specific body structures or organs. For example, a cardiac field becomes hurt tissue. Scientists Rupert Sheldrake in the early 1980s was the first to label a learning field that instructs the scientifically recognized ones, calling them the energetic or subtle morphogenetic or morphic fields. Now, Sheldrake suggested that there is an energy field within and around a morphic unit. The physical developmental unit of what later becomes a tissue or organ that forms it. All living organisms from cells to people that belong to a certain group tune into the morphic field and through morphic resonance develop according to the programs within that field. Resonance only occurs between forms that are similar. So a monkey would not take on the characteristics of a plant. According to Sheldrake, these energy fields serve as a database as well as a mental form. Sheldrake's theory seeks to explain why members of a family pass down certain behaviors and even emotions and why species might share common characteristics and developmental patterns. Various studies have also shown that even when separated, members of certain species acquire similar traits or behaviors, a puzzle that can be explained by morphogenetic fields. Subtle in nature, they are not limited to time or space. This theory would portray DNA as the recipient of information from human energy fields through the subtle body, which instructs it to act in certain ways. Grandpa's musical gifts might be then carried on to grandson via morphic fields rather than DNA. Morphic energy fields may instruct the epigenetic makeup 
the chemical storage houses. Now, I want to stop right there because if you remember me discussing on the show um, a few episodes ago, how research has just shown that trauma can be stored in our, and in the study on Black people's DNA, trauma is stored in DNA from 15 to 20 generations ago. Now, we're saying 20 generations, we're talking about millions. Because what, generations is what? A generation is what? It could be, what, how many years? What is a generation? Like 20, 25 years, right? And so if we went back like 20 years, that's like millions of our ancestors. You know, millions of our ancestors is experience that could potentially be stored in our DNA. But here, this theory is trying to debunk what DNA is saying. And so you do your research. I'm doing mine. We're definitely going to delve into this a little bit more in coming episodes. But this is really interesting because he's saying this morphogenetic, the energy body, has more to do with behaviors and characteristics and things that we share of our ancestors than DNA. And I don't think that I'm down with that. Now, I believe that this morphic energy field can instruct some, but I don't think that it instructs all of the epigenetic makeup and the chemical storehouses. But anyway, his name is Shell Drake. You spell it S-H-E-L-D-R-A-K-E. His philosophy it also holds that the past life memories could pass from lifetime to lifetime through a soul's morphic energy field. Now, that I'm believing, you know, um, our personal one. So I believe it's a combination. Because we are physical body, right? And we're energy body. Energy body, we have the, the aura. We have different layers. The ancestors says we have like we have like nine different layers to our one body. And they're giving these people, these new age, well, I won't say new age because there isn't nothing under the sun. I don't believe in new age. I believe what they do is take ancient technology and they put a they put a label on it and and one of their people who did the research they name is just like with anything you know when they conquer people's lands when they um uh, discover something when they dig up the ancestors bodies over in egypt they say xyz you know they name all of these um the artifacts after people and that shouldn't be so and so getting back to our body we have a physical body and an energy body and the energy body you know, it's subtle in nature. Most of the time people can't see it, but there are layers. And the first time I read about our energy body, it was from ancient comedic texts, ancient African texts. And it kind of blew me away that the ancestors said that we have like nine different parts of us. I'm like, oh, what? You know, but, but I was younger and I was like, wow, this is kind of blowing my mind. I had to step away from it and then go back to it. I'm going to stick with that because just like I believe in everything, you know, the old antiquated ways to me are the best ways the old traditional ways no but seriously though i think that yeah we can't espound on um ancient technology but there's nothing new under the sun 
only certain people have been privy to being able to access it. And so I think he has something here with his philosophy when it comes, especially to those past memories that can pass down from lifetime to lifetime through a soul's morphic energy field. These memories would be, then be uh, non-local in nature and therefore not anchored in the brain or particular life. And see, that's where I think the DNA comes. The DNA comes in where these memories are or these behaviors are anchored in our brains or in a particular lifetime. And so combining these theories would be excellent to me. Maybe I'll work on it. Maybe you guys will see my name somewhere posted with a Nobel Prize or something. But again, this is called um, the Energetic Anatomy, uh, Morphogenic Fields, and etheric fields will be the next topic okay so next week what i will do is recap the morphogenic fields and then i'll go into the etheric fields And so moving right along, you know, I said earlier that I was going to give you guys some homework. And um, so I'd like to share the uh, questions with you guys in regards to African, African-American um, history. And so think about um, or identify a famous African-American inventor and explore their inventions and then discuss with someone in your family 
their impact on society. For instance, if you were to do Dr. Francis Cress Welsing, you would um, review her bio and um, say, you know, Dr. Francis invented um, the Cress theory. You know, uh, then you would get whatever together you're going to say about it. And then you go and you would share that with other people in your family. And this is just an idea of something that we can do to celebrate our Black history. And so after finding a person who you want to discuss, find a um since it's Black History Month, we're going to keep up with the theme of Black History Month. So a Black inventor, a Black writer, a Black poet or someone. Um, and then explore their, um, well, stick with one theme. So this week is going to be an African-American inventor. And so after you explore their invention, so Dr. Press, Cress Wellsing, she invented the Cress theory. So that was a good example to use, right? And so after today, um, identify a famous African-American inventor, explore their inventions, and discuss their impact on society. Then and now, right? Um, last week, I played one of Dr. Joseph Murphy's uh, videos. And he was able to give us insight on the subconscious mind. But this week, I think what I want to do is move right along to the next topic. And um, no, I'm going to do another prayer because this is the midweek spiritual boost. And so I'm going to say a prayer in regards to peace because it's a whole lot of mess going on in the world and it's always the right time to pray right and so the title of this prayer is well it doesn't have a title it's just written by lao Tzu, the sixth century bce chinese philosopher and it reads if there is to be peace in the world there must be peace in the nations. If there is to be peace in the nations, there must be peace in the cities. If there is to be peace in the cities, there must be peace between neighbors. If there is to be peace between neighbors, there must be peace in the home. If there is to be peace in the home, there must be peace in the heart. And that is so true. I mentioned nation earlier, even though I am black, I don't think that black is a race. I go by black, you know, um, and, and sometimes I don't go by black. <laughs> I don't go by African American. I'm like, don't call me black, African American, Negro, you know, I'm just me, you know. But the, the the nationality, the race that I identify with is the human race. And I'm proud to identify with only the human race. And, and so when I think about the human race, I think about an African woman because we all come from an African woman. 
you know this planet would not be populated without africanness without blackness you know what i'm saying we come from blackness we come from darkness and everything that's created come from darkness and i get so excited when i think about this because i think about the four primary colors right the four primary colors are red blue yellow and indigo right some people may say that they're eight but when you get to mixing the primary colors you know um like yellow and blue makes green right um i mean yellow and red and yellow makes orange right and yellow and blue makes green and indigo and blue will make actually another indigo which indigo is the only when you think about the primary color spectrum in the rainbow you see indigo twice and it is the longest line on the rainbow and indigo is what the third eye that's uh uh no indigo we have throat yeah the third eye because the crown is violet so that is deep uh god is mathematical the most high is mathematical this whole universe is mathematical it never ceases to amaze me but in my notes i have you know you mix these primary colors um and you get like blue and green you mix it together primary color you get purple or violet and all of these colors are the colors within our body's energy system the chakras the seven major chakras which must be cleansed and balanced properly so that we can go higher but what does every color come out of every color comes out of darkness every color comes out of black so pow that perhaps uh, how's that for black history month you know a black history thought and in thinking and and knowing that all of life comes from a black woman comes from an african woman be you to bone so we have so much to be proud of people you know we should not be walking around with our face held down and loneliness don't be thinking you're lonely because listen to the ancestors the ancestors are always talking to us and they deserve to be heard and just think about that example i gave we have like a million and some different ancestors within us and that's the power that is the power that people don't want you to know that you have you're not dumb you're not stupid you're not silly you're not hood you you you, you, you are not a, a menace to society unless you want to be that we come from the creative source of this universe that we live in through a black woman and all they want to say racist but that's where all nations come from and if we could just get on that bandwagon just get on that bandwagon with each other and and start loving and respecting each other man what a beautiful world this would be and it's going there you know it's going people people are working toward eradicating evil and disrespect and because of someone's skin color it just doesn't make sense and so i'm going to move right along and i am going to tell a moral story and the title of this moral story is an old village man once upon a time there lived an old man in a village whom everyone avoided he was the face of unhappiness he was gloomy bitter 
and always complaining. He felt that his life was full of misfortunes. People avoided him because his unhappiness was contagious. The longer he lived, the more bitter he became, and his words were pure poison. Others almost felt guilty to be happy and his presence. But as he turned 80 years old, something unimaginable happened. Word spread that the old man is no longer sad or complaining. He is happy. He smiles. His face looks fresh and peaceful. The villagers are thinking, what happened? What made him change? And so the entire village approached this man. And the man says, nothing much change. Just that for 80 years, I chased happiness and it eluded me. So I decided I would live without happiness instead. And I tried to enjoy my life. And the magic happened. <laughs> I'm happy now. <laughs> so the moral of this story is don't chase happiness. Just enjoy your life one second at a time. Live every moment. Peace and light.